0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Prescribed Truth Podcast. Um, on this week, um, I've taken a week off handling some things with the family. My mother-in-law, she's been sick. I would ask that uh, all you it, it would, would just pray for her and her recovery, um, dealing with congestive heart failure. Um, she seems to be doing well. So me and my wife, we've been going back and forth to the hospital, uh, checking on her and you know, and then, you know, everyday things of life. And so, wasn't able to um, produce an episode this week. And so, what I uh, decided to do instead was to um, replay or share um, an episode from uh, the Stop and Think About It podcast that they gave me permission to do. Um, this episode uh, where, uh, this is episode where I was a guest on the show, um, talking about social justice issues, you know, actually talking about some things I dealt with, dealing with Martin Luther King and. Um, George Whitfield, and Jonathan Edwards. and um, So I would think this would be pretty good to uh, to listen and to check out. And if you get a chance, check out the Stop and Think About It podcast on various podcast apps. I personally listen to them on Spotify. Um, you can also check out their website at stopandthinkpodcast.com. That's stopandthinkpodcast.com to check out more what they have going on. They've been doing a series on social justice, and, man, it's been great. It's been great. I really love how these brothers interact and come together. So I think that you will find it interesting as well and um edifying. Uh, with that being said, I hope this, this is encouraging to you. I hope this is edifying for you and helpful. And uh, Lord willing, I will uh, have another episode up for you guys this coming up week. So grace and peace. And remember, in this world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings.
1: Greetings once again, friends and foes, saints and sinners, to another episode of Stop and Think About It. We have our usual crew, plus one. So, we're not in the same room today. So, Phil, you are where? I'm in the Boogie Down Bronx, and no other borough in New York has, like, an extra thing to it, right? The Boogie
2: Down. Yeah. And, Steve, you are where? In Malvern, Long Island, Nassau County. From Brooklyn, but now I moved to Long Island, so I'm a country boy now. Malvern okay and Glenroy,
1: where are you
3: uh, I'm in Brooklyn um formerly of Jamaica
1: okay so Not you went Queens. from Jamaica to Brooklyn <laughs> Steve went from Brooklyn to uh Malvern well,
3: I think it was around the same time I moved to Brooklyn
1: when you move he left yeah white flight (laughs) (laughs) oh man this is
3: totally appropriate for this podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then we have our special guest the plus one jamal bandy and he is from
0: columbus georgia georgia
1: are you a bulldogs fan are you a bulldogs fan
0: Yes and no.
1: Yes and no.
0: Depends I'm. I'm. am Depends on if they're winning.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you're, you're a fair band, weather.
1: Bulldog I'm a
0: bandwagon fan. A, a
1: bandwagon fan. <laughs> hey, it's one in every podcast. There you go. <laughs> so we're honored to have Jamal Bandy uh, from the Prescribed Truth podcast. And when does that normally air, uh, Jamal?
0: Uh, currently, is airing every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. Every week,
1: and you have a website for that as well.
0: Yes, the website is truth dot com. That's the website. You can uh, you can access the podcast there. You can also view um, the YouTube content there as well, as well as subscribe to email lists and support and all that kind of good stuff.
1: Amen. How long have you been doing this podcast for? Prescribe I started. Truth?
0: I started prescribed truth in January two thousand seventeen.
1: So now you're a father, you're a husband, right? You yes. have how many kids? Two boys two boys and a yes. wife yes okay
3: so, so so to interject a little bit, so in your church, uh, not to make it only about you and what you're going through, but is is this, is this social justice thing? Is it a big problem there? Is it a top a big topic as it it seems to be in the, the church it,
0: it's a um it's a it's a decent topic as far as the size goes. It's not um thankfully it's not causing a lot of division in our church. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that. There are some brothers in our church who do uh, hold to the social justice view, but mm-hmm. not very staunch. Like they're, they're not um very hard on it, you know. It's kinda mm-hmm. they kinda on the fence with it. And I remember um when this stuff started really coming ahead, I was on the fence. And um, you know, and I was in between. I remember um, I, I like I really do appreciate how my elders handled the situation. They um, they got all the guys together. We all met one night and really just shared each other's hearts what we were dealing with as far as this whole subject goes. And at the time, I was on the fence. You know, it was it was during that time where a lot of the, of us African American guys were feeling like we couldn't be safe out there in the world. You know, like you know, couldn't be safe with police officers and stuff like that. And um, and I was at I, on that at that time. I was on that side, and you know, I was like, you know, I just I really appreciate how my elders were really passionate and how they really, um, you know just compassion towards us, but at the same time, sticking to what truth is, right. you know, just being, being there for us. And for those of us who were struggling with the idea of what was going on, but yet not, not veering away from what is actually fact and what is fiction. So, so what, you know, I really did appreciate that.
2: So what made you change your mind regarding uh, police? So you looked at police at one time as the enemy, as someone to be afraid of, right. And they were out basically to get you. Basically, right? You, you couldn't trust
0: them, right? It, I was struggling with the idea, but I had to think about. Um, I, I had to think about my own experiences that I've had with police officers, and I was thinking about um, people that I know who dealt with them, and also the situations that as they came across in the news. And you know, anybody who understands how the media works knows that they're gonna they're gonna put out what is going to cause a, a reaction. Right. You know, so I said I had to ask myself questions as to why does these stories get all the the play you know like why why are these the ones that's getting all the airtime yes. and then i started thinking about my own experience with police officers like i mean i've had police officers stop me who are were, who were really rude you know and i could have taken it as being racist but i took it as you know I, I took it back then as them having this a bad day you know i was upset at them you know but it was really rude to me like he was really rude to me he was a white guy you know but then i had other police officers who were white who were very gracious towards me you know they, mm. they was they was cool you know they even let me slide on my ticket you know, and it's like I've had different interactions and I know people say, well, you can't just go off your experiences when you got all this stuff going on. But see, my thing is, if you can say it about one, you have to say it about all.
3: Correct. Yeah. And so
0: if I'm going to say, if I'm going to make this general statement saying all police officers are bad, well, I can't say that because I know a few who aren't. So I exactly. can't say, I can't say all are bad. I have to be, I have to be able to say, if I'm being honest, that maybe some are, that these, that there are exactly. definitely some who are yeah. But there are some who aren't and we got there and we have to go by case by case basis before we make a judgment like that. And that's that's what kind of woke me up out of that whole thing with the police officers.
1: So you got Take woke. Up. Yeah,
2: <laughs> no, <Okay. kidding. laughs> It woke you up in my lifetime. I could probably count five times where I've uh, been in altercations with police officers mm-hmm. where a few times I actually got roughed up, choked, grabbed, hit with a billy club. And I can honestly say that every time I deserved it. <laughs>
3: did, did you tell them that you were white? Did you let them know yeah, that you were no, in the no. club? Okay. So
2: my wife and I lived in Florida and we moved back to New York and we were in Florida for a few years and we drove a U-Haul truck back and I don't know the, ro- uh, the rules of the road driving U-Haul. And we came to Staten Island to go over the Verrazano Bridge back into Brooklyn and we were almost home. And so we went on the lower lane, which we're not allowed to do mm. Right. The or, lower lane, the lower lane of the Verrazano Bridge, which I, knew that, to Steve. Do. I yeah, knew that, Steve. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> so all of a sudden the cop cars pull in front of us with the lights on. They get out with their guns. Get out of the truck. Get out of the truck. He's cursing us out left and right. Open the back. You know, what do what you have in here? And he just found out that I was an idiot. I didn't know anything. And he just cursed me out. He goes, you are. What are you, stupid? Blah, blah, blah. I just looked at my wife and said, honey, we're home. (laughs) (laughs) home, (laughs) Because cops in New York can be like that. And I don't blame them because they don't know who I am. They don't know what I have in the back of the truck. I'm driving a truck and I'm not black. And he was just as rude to me. So I get it. Cops are fearful themselves. They don't know who you are. Are there cops who are jerks? Absolutely. I've met a few. But I think there are people are more jerks with cops than cops are with people.
1: So, Jamal, you did a podcast on slavery. Is it America's original sin? Um, And I listened to some of that. Uh, Very, very good. Highly recommend uh, that podcast uh, episode. Now, what is original sin before we get into is slavery the original sin of America? Uh, How would you personally describe original sin?
0: Our person scribe original sin was started with Adam in the garden. Um, because of his sin, his disobedience towards God, everyone who therefore comes from him also shares in that sin.
1: Is the narrative of slavery being America's original sin? Is that would you would you say that's accurate or
0: no? It's not accurate at all. As a matter of fact, I don't even if you even even if they you could give them the fact that it was um original their first sin it, it was not their first sin it wouldn't be the first sin it wouldn't be the first sin that anybody committed that they had slavery a matter of fact it wouldn't america wouldn't be the first ones to do slavery exactly
1: so, it, it, so whoa, hang on Whoa, whoa, you oh, serious oh, oh, oh.
3: <laughs> Jamal, is, this, is this prescribed
2: truth you're talking about <laughs> wait, <right. laughs> wait, right. wait wait now he's going to say black people in africa own slaves so.
0: yeah I, I got i gotta say they're like oh here we go the same old thing y'all know that yes but it's true it's true, you know like the people like that people like to think that all slavery was a translated slave trade was that when white people came over there just hunting through the woods, trying to find them find them a good negro to take with them, and then just <laughs> and threw a bag over them and carried them over their shoulder across right. the water like, yeah, yeah. like no, they know it was trades they had they had goods that the, that the Africans wanted, and they the Africans had goods that the um the slave traders wanted. They traded, yeah. they bought and sold, you know what I'm saying, so it's like they weren't the first ones As a matter of fact um and what's also interesting is that black people weren't the only ones who were slaves yeah was just it wasn't just black people it was white people were slaves too back then
3: well wow. when i when I was in school, one of the things they said was was it this was the first time slavery was generational and 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 based on color or wh- whatever, what what do you what do you say to that? Because
0: I think that's that's some truth to that. Towards the like as America progressed, but not not in the or, like when when the uh Declaration of Independence was drafted and the Constitution was given, that wasn't the case. Mm. It wasn't until much it wasn't many years later that that would be a, that it would be a thing. Whereas uh, slavery then would be only to blacks and not whites. That would be later. So I would give that. I would give that some truth to that, but it's not the full story. And I think that's where some of the dishonesty lies. in. It.
3: it's like it's
1: not the I full agree. story.
3: And and also I, there is a biblical uh, situation where that happened.
1: As far as slavery,
3: yeah, Egypt. Mm. It was Jewish people. They were born slaves. And I'm thinking, mm. well, these people didn't read the Bible. It's happened.
0: generational.
3: Yeah and to literally where they would kill them because they had so many kids. They, they remember the whole story about they saying, "Hey, kill them before they're born." And the well, how, midwives that's a lie.
1: So Jamal, do you think people should be uh going after uh, Egyptians today saying uh they 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 owe reparations and 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 they have to repent for their uh complicit sin against the Jews? I mean, do we yes. go back? <laughs>
0: we all the all the Jews need to go, all the Jews Jewish descendants need to go to the Egyptians, whoever exists today in Egypt,
1: right? And demand
0: reparations from them for what their forefathers and and ancestors done. Then all the Jews also, man, I think the Jews are gonna get it good actually, because the Jews will get it from the Egyptians, <laughs> the and they're get it from the Germany, um, the, the Nazis, Germans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 gonna have it. they gonna have them everywhere. Thank like, roll, you, baby. I don't know. I, I don't know how what? I feel about that.
2: But the Jews now will have to go find some Gibeonites so they can pay reparations to them because Israel enslaved Gibeon.
3: It's never ending. Gibeonites. It's never ending. Now, Jamal, so I I think that we've kind of, I think with the American original sin, you kind of hit into the heart of it. It seems like only America is implicit in this sin or any sin. And it seems like because we're in America and this is the church this is where the church where we're dealing with these issues. That's all America, And that's all I'm hearing is if every other country, every other human being everywhere else is, is somehow exempt from this.
1: And innocent. Yeah. And so this is, this is my issue. It's almost like people in this land, like once they got here, then they, they just became racist and yeah. they were just died yeah. in the war. But everybody else, <laughs> right. like they're innocent, you know, and. And like sin doesn't really work that way. I don't think <laughs> no. as if the cancer of sin expressed through racism and prejudice only hit the shores, you know, between the East coast and the West coast of the United States of America and, and wasn't like spread over the whole world. So Jamal, can you speak to that?
0: I don't know. It's interesting to me as as you were saying, I was thinking about a, um, on my channel. Sometimes I do like a live stream on Saturdays and there's a guy who comes on, he's a young guy about 16 and he's, um, And he's in the UK Mm. We was talking about this issue dealing with woke and critical race theory and all these things. And, and like, he was telling me over there what he's dealing with, it's not even hitting like that. Like they're not Mm. dealing with that over there. You know, you hear about the news, but it's not a problem there like that. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, it, it, it seemed like this is just here it just yeah. it's, it's it's just here, and so therefore, yes, if you come to America, then that's you have that stigma, especially if your skin color, if you have less melanin in your skin, you're already gonna automatically have that stigma of being guilty somehow, mm. it don't matter where you, it don't matter where your ancestors came from, like um, I like what james white said his uh his family came from Switzerland, you know, but if
1: that,
0: <laughs> but he's he's guilty still, like he's you know right. hey.
3: So, so that that's the part that drives me crazy. So we, we we talk about the Underground Railroad. Who who was who made up the Underground Railroad? It, white people. Yeah, yeah. You you cannot run from the, the people trying to get you back and hide in a black person's house. That was a railroad. It wasn't a train. It was house to house to house. And so it you know so you're going to look at a white person like Steve and say, hey, you you you're obviously complicit. You you it's your fault that this happened. Well. I wasn't even a at that time, you know? And if I was the majority of white people did not own slaves and the, ma- and the majority of them were against slavery. Now, Jamal, do you think that this narrative um, that's being embraced by everyone is, is that because the people are not students of history? They, they don't study real history. They don't study biblical history as well.
0: Oh yeah. I think, it, I think it's definitely that. Um, it, and it's, it's sad because like the truth is there it's out there if you just research it and willing to look it up but i think the reason why people don't is because it go it will go against the narrative like i mean when i was doing a study when i was doing a video on uh slavery in america it hit me to really realize that wow you know how many black people actually own slaves mm. but then but then people would say oh well they they, they own they're just trying to help their people like no man were about people who are Owning the slaves who beat their slaves. It was blacks beating blacks. Exactly. Back on black crime back then, mm-hmm. you know. what I'm saying like it was. It was all going on. So it's like it's. it's it just goes to show like all this is a sin issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's sin issue. But it's, it goes against the narrative that's being portrayed in the in our culture. Okay. You know, and therefore it's it's best we don't look into any of that kind of stuff. You know, that's revisionist history and you know? all that kind of stuff like that. It's 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 wild. It, it really is wild.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And. I think that some people don't know where to go to to get real research because most people are just uh, cultural parrots. So whatever the media says, they just parrot whatever the media says. Yeah. I believe that, Jamal, you mentioned wall builders as one of the sources that you went to, and I believe his name is David Barton, and he has like a ton of original source documents. Yes. Uh, I think like the most out of any individual – Person in the in America, um, and he has all these things uh, right out there. Um, the history, uh, what is the one? Uh, black history, or what? What is the articles or the topic that you read about?
0: Yeah, I, I, I was looking at a few of them that came from that website, and one was like the founding fathers and slavery. Right. So like, it's a bunch of quotes from the founding fathers of being against slavery. Mm. You know, and so it goes against his narratives Like, oh, America was always a slave country. It was always, you know, for slavery and for this and that, for that. But it's like, like, no, nah, like the original founding fathers was actually against slavery. And I put up a census. Um, I mentioned it on one of my podcasts. I actually looked at a census, whereas the three fifths compromise was very interesting. Yes. I grew up. My mom, my mom, and my dad grew up telling me, "Oh, them white folks—they just think you're you're a three-fifths of a person anyway, and everything else." And I always grew up believing that. And then when I did this podcast, it wasn't until I did this podcast, guys, that I recognized what the 3 compromise was really for, and that it actually helped black people versus yes. hurt us. Yes. And I was like, "Whoa! Like this is something that um, the barbershop ain't gonna want to hear." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't take this to the barbershop and start and talk about it you know i'm get I'm laughed out you know but it's the truth like the three-fifths compromise basically it, it whole purpose of it was to take away the power take away representative uh, power from the south and, and make it make it more so in the north where the north was mo- majority against slavery you know so it's like the every 10 years and this is uh, this is amazing to me on the census every 10 years from the time that america uh great got its independence
3: uh hold on one second before you go too far i want to give a little background so The the issue was never something that was solidified by uh, America. So they were arguing, going back and forth. Up until the point of Abraham Lincoln, they were going back and forth. And one of the arguments was the slave owners wanted to count their black black slaves as people while considering them property. And so this argument's going back and forth. And so it looks like everyone's racist because they're saying, well, they had a a bargain saying, okay, we'll count them as three-fifths. Right, we're not going to call them as a whole person. We're going to count it as three-fifths person, and that was a compromise that was made so the slave owners could count their slaves, but the North was arguing against it. I think that's one of the have that basic because the explain. South
2: wanted more representation in Washington. Correct, and correct. It was a census like we have today.
3: Yeah. Exactly. All right, sorry. Go ahead. I just want to make sure everyone knew that background because they may they may not know that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great point. So it's like in every ten years, well, see, this was only for those who were slaves. Like free blacks were counted as a whole person. Mm-hmm. That was it. So that was the the key thing. Free free blacks were counted as a whole person, but it was just the slaves. So every 10 years, you had slaves being free. They're gaining their freedom, you know, and more and more slaves are gaining their freedom. And now the the South is losing representation, you know, because the slaves are going to the North and they're voting against these things. And so every 10 years, you got more and more Uh, free blacks and therefore more and more representation is leaving the south to head to the north and it was very interesting how that dynamic happened up until the point where slavery then was outlawed you know in the uh, united states and so it's really beautiful how that worked out and so given how america came about came to be it wasn't supposed to be like a dictatorship you know and so therefore they're doing it this way made everybody happy you know, for a time being, whereas it wasn't one person being leader over everyone else in that sense, that makes, if I'm making sense with that.
1: So, Jamal, why do you think that this seems to be uh, the type of history that people are learning, that students are learning right now in America? Why is this narrative rolled out, believed, uh, echoed, parroted, um, and people are not looking for prescribed truth?
0: Honestly, it it seems to me that people are more comfortable in being in a state where they are living in fear or feeling like they're being more held back than actually just buying or not buying into, but actually embracing where the truth is. Because you think about it, if if the truth is what it is, then we're actually not as held back as we like to think we are. Mm. You know, we actually can get by. We actually can do things that we tell ourselves we can't do because the man won't let us. Mm. You know, even the things we try to make as systematic issues. And this is the thing that used to buggle me, is like, okay, so blacks are systematically kept down, but there are black millionaires.
3: And billionaires. And
0: billionaires. <laughs> like, so what so how is it that there are black billionaires? And these aren't people who are you know kissing butt. Like these are people who are doing their thing, entrepreneurs, they're making their way, and yet, but blacks are held back? Because I mean, back then during Jim Crow, no black man was getting up like that. You know, that, that it wasn't that nobody was getting ahead getting that way. Yeah, but I thought it was and I found it more interesting. And you go back further, I found it more interesting. Going back further, before um uh, America got its independence, you had black people in government mm-hmm. here, here in the colonies, mm-hmm. government officials back before America got its independence. And even after America got its independence, black government officials, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, like leaders. Um, people were able to go where they wanted to go where they pleased, and successful had money. Frederick you know, Douglass, Frederick Douglass, prime example. But it's like so he was a
1: Republican if, too.
2: But,
0: <laughs> so how? So but how is the black man held down? It's like it can't be systematic. Like I mean, we can we can all agree that and there's there are people just like we mentioned about the police officers. There are some who are jerks. There are some people who are, are indeed Correct. racist yeah, and absolutely. want to not absolutely. want to see people go forward and stuff like that. But to say the system is, is messed up as a whole in that way, it's like, yeah, maybe during Jim Crow, like during the time where it was actually illegal for blacks to learn how to read, where yeah. white people, white people who would try to help blacks to get to learn read, they would get beat. Like during that time, like, yeah, we, we could say that then that was a systematic issue, but that's not going on today. And so it's like it's like they want to be kept down. And I like I agree with Thomas Sowell said in this way, it's like black people were stronger back then, seeing that they were stronger yeah. will back then.
3: Than so, they are now, right? So, 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 the, so we had seventy percent of, of people married, homes, jobs. Yes. So, 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 so in a fundamental sense, we were stronger. And, 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 and I want to just because this gets me all a little excited as well. Is this if you take all the black people in America and you put them and you put them in their own country, we would be the fifth richest country in the world not the fifth richest state not the fifth richest Mm. in uh, in north america the fifth richest country in the entire planet so it's amazing to me when they say things like that
0: wow it it
3: is it is as if we we don't realize the capital and the power that we have and we're giving it away and we're saying and i'm saying we as as black um, Mm. um people it doesn't make any sense when and when and also as christians when we have the almighty the creative universe behind us and we're saying exactly. well we, we can't make it we can't get ahead how well God, isn't we the have God uh, our, on our side. isn't
1: the uh nba uh predominantly uh darker pigmentation is that a new thing is that, <laughs> <is> that, <laughs> right and what about the um the nfl
3: no, but we got we got all white owners. That's that's the right. argument they would make, hmm. right?
1: And <laughs> then it's I don't know how many. I mean, making millions and millions of dollars. That doesn't sound like a. I've I've heard it. De-
3: I've heard it described that there's billionaires who have slave workers who make millions of dollars. <laughs> millions of dollars. Yeah, that they're slaves. <laughs> right. And I'm saying they make what? more
1: than all of us put together on this podcast. No, but right? But they're
3: slaves. They're working for the white uh, billionaire. Right. And, see, and
1: it, but but here, there's also a narrative that because there are predominantly black people in the NFL and the NBA, that that is justice Right. versus, yes. the, N- versus the NHL injustice. So wow. it just seems like people are speaking out of two sides of their mouth. Uh, Jamal, would you agree with this? There just seems to be so much inconsistency and dishonesty with this issue. They're saying, okay, these people came to America and they stole this land but never mention many of the Indians who killed each other all the time to all the take time. land and things and like that. Enslaved each other, enslaved <laughs> each other, killed each other,
3: and, and, and they were never as peaceful as, no. as as was stated. They they were fighting back and forth. There was so, territory being, being
1: yeah. Dead. So I, I seen this T-shirt. It says Homeland Security, um, and it has you know a bunch of Indians like as if uh, the colonizers are coming and just taking the land away. I mean the T-shirt is bogus. The the, the concept is bogus. Um, but I mean it's just it's just dishonesty and if you challenge that dishonesty now you're just you're pampering, you're acquiescing, uh white privilege like all of that stuff just comes to bear. So Jamal, have a question for you. Would you agree or disagree with this syllogism? America is a racist nation, churches are in America, therefore churches are racist.
3: No. that's not the right answer
0: no well i I think the the premise the premise is already faulty Mm. given what we given what we just talked about concerning the founders and the constitution so america can't be a racist nation because it didn't start off with racism Mm. and then Mm. churches are are in america but then again that doesn't mean that doesn't make the churches therefore racist you know that's that's like saying like because Hitler was the way he was, I mean, everybody who lived in Germany was just as evil and wicked as he is. As far as you know, hated wanting to exterminate Jews, and that would include the Jews themselves because the Jews
3: were in Germany. Right. You you, you do realize you're going against the whole social justice movement with that statement, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know somebody somebody's gonna say I'm an idiot for making that statement. <laughs> somebody's gonna somebody's gonna say like that was a foolish statement to make. And they mm-hmm. use the Jews in that sense. But that's the truth. If you, if you take things at the logical conclusion, that's what it is. If you're saying the church is racist just because it's in America, that means anything that's just because it's in something, it makes it automatically wicked.
1: The thing is, is that um, just because a church is in America, didn't the people who founded uh, America, didn't they flee? Uh, England to come for religious freedom.
3: So you got to stop with all this history, man. This is, this is, you're just messing this whole debate up.
1: And wouldn't the biblical worldview uh, come against uh, the very thing that they're positing mm. in their syllogism?
0: No, because, see, the thing is, I'm, and this is devil's advocate here, but this is the thing is, like, religious freedom having to do with the skin color because, see, they didn't see black people as people. Right, right, right. You know, so early, three fifths for the most they, right. they saw. You know, so we, we, The bad people weren't seen as people. So yeah, they. I mean, they could they could flee Britain for religious freedom. That doesn't mean that they weren't racist. Mm. You know, and they didn't start off racist. You know, I mean, that would be the argument there. You know, that
1: would be their that would be their argument. And how would you yeah. respond to that argument, Jabal?
0: Well, just like I was saying before, it's like there's no evidence of them being racist. You can that during that time when they came over. White people were just as uh, just as slaves as well. It wasn't just black people, and and all and every black person wasn't being mistreated, you know. What I'm saying and it wasn't the case, and so it's like the evidence doesn't stack up to it. You have to, and, get to negate all of that.
3: An interesting fact is that a majority of America was founded on the people who they got arrested in England. They gave them a choice: Do you want to stay here? Do you want to die? Or we'll ship you over. It was like a, it was like a prison colony. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it wasn't these uh, wealthy aristocratic uh, slave owners. They they were themselves like it was a death sentence to come to America. And, that was, that's a, that's a great point, man. That's a great point. Like that's exactly what it was. Like America was
0: like basically like the ghetto, mm. and, and we and, and then
3: we as a country made it into into this beautiful thing.
0: Oh, say that, man. Mm-hmm. Say, it it, again, say it again, brother. Yeah. so, <laughs> like, like before, be, be, um, we talked about. Uh, people saying that America came, well, people came over here to take this land from the Indians. It belonged to the Indians. Mm. And we came and just like bullied them out, mm. you know? And it's like, they actually, because like you're talking about people came over for freedom and everything else. Like this was like the ghetto of Britain and everything else. But the people who came over the Europeans that came over here, recognized that these Indians, they were savages. Mm. And like, the, uh, there's a story. I, uh, I love about wall builders. I think it was on wall builders. And I saw this information. It's like, there was a story of, a, I, can't, I can't remember the man's name, but he came over and it wasn't Christopher Columbus. It was another guy. He came over here into this land and saw how there was women and children finna be cannibalized hmm. by these Indians. And therefore they stopped it. Like a lot of the battles between Europeans and Indians were because they were trying to basically, you know, white people were sticking their nose in other people's business. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I guess the right thing would be for them to just let them just eat the women and children then. You know, let's let that go on, and therefore, white people wouldn't have the problem they do now, saying they stole this land. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But see, like, how wicked does that sound? It's like, hey, well, you know, women and children are being eaten over here because they're they're slaves of other Indians. But hey, let's let's not. You know, this is their land; they can do what they want to. Let's go back to our pace.
1: Jamal, don't 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 come in and try to change our culture. We want to eat people. Just we want to eat people. Eat people.
3: A, a, a good book to read on that is uh, "Things Fall Apart" by Chinua Akbe and talking about how in you. Africa in <laughs> in Africa, it. how when people went in there to like they would, it, it was against uh, Christians. They had to go in there and try to convert them and it was like well they just the whole story is about how things fall apart to destroy their culture but in their culture if you had twins they would take the twins they would put them in the forest and leave it there because they thought it was evil spirit it's a lot of nonsense wow. shit. and it's like and they're trying to like glorify these old practices if it was somehow better when christianity you know modern western civilization is better
0: yeah. How did they know which and,
2: and, twin to put in the farm? <laughs> I,
3: I, I didn't read that far into the book, I think. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but wait a minute,
0: you just you just said, you just said what now? Th- this civilization was better?
3: It is better. Whoa, whoa. Yes. Now, that's racist.
0: Yes. Like, oh, that's
2: racist. Whoa, that's oh, racist. Yes. yes. You can't, yes. You can't yes. say that, man. I
3: don't oh. believe in races, but if if you want to call me that. you
2: know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One race, the
1: human race. Yeah, so, and, and, me,
3: and Phil, go ahead. You're going to jump on, right?
1: Yeah, so. I wanted to ask you another question here. Um, So recently, the Southern Baptist Convention adopted critical race theory and intersectionality as analytical tools, and they admit that they're not sufficient alone to diagnose and redress the root causes of the social ills, yet they are analytical tools that can aid in evaluating a variety of human experiences. Were you familiar with that whole thing that took place, Jamal?
0: Yes, and it just simple it seems to me they just—they should have just took all of
3: that out mm. and just put it, and just replace it with saying, "Hey, the Bible isn't enough."
2: Ooh. Ooh.
3: That's 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 real. It's, it's not a complete enough. We, it, it's not addressing this racial issue. God, God just never thought about it. He never he never conceived of it.
0: The all-knowing God just mm. happened to give us sixty-six books that just so happens does not cover the one thing that's really <laughs> going on in America right now, and right. As, and that's racial conciliation. Like really. And Amen. you say that these things are analytical tools. Is that as? If, as if, and then you say they're not sufficient enough to address these things. But what is sufficient enough to address all these things? The scriptures.
2: Two Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. I mean, this scripture just. Mm. I mean, it's so clear. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped. For every good work. Wait, I don't is, know if you have
3: a different version. Was You said all or some scripture?
2: Yeah, all scripture. And, oh, okay. okay. And, right? and so that the man of God may be almost complete, but he needs critical race theory. No. Mm-hmm. So how complete is complete? And he, And it says that he may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let me ask you something. If you're dealing with someone who's a racist, is it a good work? To deal with them and correct their faulty view. Is that a good work? Yes. Okay. What equips us to do that?
0: The scriptures.
3: scriptures. Critical. Re-
2: oh,
3: oh, oh. Yeah. okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, thought, I thought he was leading me somewhere. I, I, I <laughs> got lost. I got lost. <laughs> but
2: do you see the absurdity of saying that critical mm. race theory is an analytical mm. tool mm. when the Bible tells us that the scripture is all that we need that the man of God may be complete Amen. for every
1: good work? And I got to be honest, um, Jamal, and tell me if you agree with this sentiment. It really makes me angry because mm-hmm. these are Christian leaders. We got Paul Tripp. We have things coming out from Al Mohler. Uh, Steve knows the litany of names.
2: Mark uh, we, Dever, Nine Marks, Jonathan Lehman. I mean, you can go on and on. a ton of people. And it really gets me angry because... These are
1: supposed to be uh, a Christian leaders that we look up to. And again, we can't put every, you know on pedestals and things like that, but they're Christian leaders for a reason, for such, for such a time as this. And many of them are speaking in the wrong direction. They're putting their finger up to the wind, and they say, which way is the cultural wind blowing? Let me try to make all this fit together. I know in our anger we ought not sin, but I think calling them out is the right way to do it. But what do you think, Jamal?
0: Yeah. I definitely think it's a good thing to do is call it out because it's interesting. It's like this, these, the reason why I believe these people are bending in the directions they're going is, is because they want, they want to be on the quote unquote right side of things, Mm. you know, because the right side of things isn't the truth. The right side of things is what (laughs) is what have majority majority of people are saying is right because slavery and racism in America is a touchy subject Mm. But so is homosexuality and yeah. transgenderism and everything else. But look what's going on—they're bending in critical race theory, and what's happening now? They're bending when it comes to the gender roles. They're bending towards to sexuality. So everything's like it's like slippery slopes. There's all of it this is it's kind of just appeased to men. But what does what does Galatians tell us about that? If we're still trying to please men, then what? We're not pleasing God. We're not we're not a servant of Christ. We can't be a servant Amen. of Christ Amen. if we're still yet trying to please men.
3: And, and, and they use the same argument they're bending to culture and then they want us to look back into the past to criticize churches in the past that were bending to the culture of that time it's like you're doing the same thing you're not letting the word of god guide you because at that time it was more it was easier to to be a racist and a slave owner and those churches kind of followed the the trend and now it's not cool and now you want to you know be on your house i just did a bible study and one of the principles was we would think that if Christ was there, we would somehow be the ones to recognize him. But the majority of people didn't. Even his disciples didn't recognize who he was. But we like to put ourselves in these positions where we would be the ones that did this or did that. When No, we would be the ones who would be sinners unless God changes our hearts and makes us new.
0: Good good catch. And what's interesting about all of that back then is that they were operating off of their conviction. Mm. Where in scripture, where does scripture say that owning a slave is a sin? Mm. That was, that was, um, that was Jonathan, not Jonathan Edwards. That was Martin Luther's argument. He said that he said he knew that it was wrong to mistreat a slave because the Bible clearly says you should not mistreat your slaves. Mm. But whether to own a slave or not, he said, he said in his letter to Virginia, he said, whether to own one or not, I don't know whether or not it's a sin, but I do know that we shouldn't treat him this way. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like they were operating up their convictions during that time. Are we going to own slaves today? No, we're not. But was it a sin? When Paul addressed uh, Philemon, did he did he right. acknowledge the fact that, hey, Onesimus is coming back to you, but he's coming back to you as a brother, but hey, get rid of all your slaves? I guarantee you, Onesimus wasn't Philemon's only slave.
1: Right. So Jamal, let me ask you this question. I like where you're going with this. Does the. Did the Bible, did Christ and his followers seek to eradicate the institution of slavery?
3: Hmm. No.
1: No. Why didn't they try to eradicate? Like, why didn't they go and tackle that institution as opposed to what their mission was?
3: Jamal, I'll tackle this one. They didn't have critical race theory then. (laughs) Right. <laughs> there you go. And, and, and
2: scripture, all scripture that was given wasn't enough to back. Right,
3: right, right. They were waiting for our time for, for for our brilliant people to come up with this.
0: They had this. They had the Septuagint. They didn't have the New Testament. Yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think, Jamal? Uh, what was the reason that they didn't try to eradicate the institution of slavery, but rather they turned their sights toward a different mission, and that mm. was?
0: Yeah, I mean, you actually just said it, like because the, the whole point is Christ Mm. like everything else. Like even, I love what Peter said in his letter. He's like, Hey, even if you have masters who treat you wrong, right? If you do, if you do well by them and that they treat Mm. you wrong, isn't this the same as what Christ did? Like this is glorifying Christ. So even if Amen. you have masters who beat you and treat you wrong, but yet you still love them and love your enemies, as Christ said, because Christ went through everything he did yet without saying a word, without reviling anyone in return, without seeking reparations and everything else. <laughs> Christ did it all. And so he's our example. And so the, the, the mission is greater than what we're dealing with here. All this is temporary. Everything yeah. we deal with is temporary in the light of eternity.
3: And what's so sad is that's a biblical argument. it's in the bible it's it's unimpeachable, but if a person of a different skin tone said it, it's there we go, there we go again. Oh, it's no, like that's not true
0: no, see it ain't just different skin tones. see if somebody somebody's going to listen to what we're saying here today, hmm. and you and I are going to be the Oreo right that's right. that's what we're going to be yeah and yes. and if and if Phil or Steve says it, then there's like, oh, that's obvious racism,
2: but right we It's not.
0: It, if we're saying it, then we're just an oreo or mm. as um as uh, uh Mary Mer- Eric Mason said we're an angloid on the inside mm. you know mm. what I'm saying mm. it's like that's 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 so wicked because the bible says it we didn't make it up
3: right I didn't write it i'm i'm I't have my faith in it just like the next person does amen amen if you want to impeach it impeach it on on are we what is what we're saying true or not is it biblical or not
1: so there was something uh, concerning Martin Luther King mm. being considered a Christian and Jonathan Edwards and uh, Whitfield being now ostracized as non-believers because they own slaves. Can you uh, unpack that for us? Jabal? Yeah,
3: as a, as a student of history, please.
0: As <laughs> a <laughs> hey, yes, matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I miss... I gave the wrong name earlier when I mentioned about that quote. That was actually Whitfield's letter. Mm. And I said I said Luther. I meant Whitfield. Yes, yeah, no, yes, I was
2: going to yes. ask you that because, yeah. I, but I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> but I, I gave you grace, brother. <laughs> I appreciate
0: that. See, show me some. Show me some. Give me some of that privilege, now. Is that
1: theological yeah. racism yeah. somehow?
2: Yeah, am yeah. yeah. so submitting that, my privilege, brother. <laughs> <for that.
0: laughs> yes, yeah, because you'd have corrected me. Then that would have definitely been a sign. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to hold, we got to hold on that. On that. But yes, yeah, and that intrigued me. So this, um, the reason why I started doing this uh, research on this was because a viewer on Prescribed Truth had asked me, mm. "What, like, why, like, what was a big issue with the Martin Luther King conference, the mm. MLK 50 conference, and mm. like, and why would people have an issue with Martin Luther King but not have an issue with Jonathan Edwards and Whitfield?" And so I was like, "Okay, well, let me do. I will do a series and discuss the mm. issues with Martin Luther King, and and discuss the issues as a as a scene with Edwards and Whitfield, and try mm. to be fair with all of it." Um, but as I did Martin Luther King, and the stuff that concerning Martin Luther King, I didn't know before I started hmm. researching, like sermons he the, um preached and things that he believed and everything else. Like I knew that he that he believed some wacky stuff concerning the um incarnation and stuff like that. I knew about that, but I didn't know about the communism, like as far as cool. his being behind communism and all that stuff like that, the Marxist ideology. Mm-hmm. And um and so that was that. And so I started dealing with that. It was interesting, Martin Luther King is that he did a sermon saying, Can a Christian be a communist? Mm. And um and in that sermon, he basically said that a Christian can't be a communist. But it, he he wasn't saying, and this would be fair to, to to be fair to what he was saying. He was saying the Christian can't be a communist in the in the fact of how they get there where they're going to go. Mm. Like um, so the, the people who are by, behind communism, trying to push communism in America, Marxist ideology, and so on and so forth, they was willing to do it behind any means necessary, were willing, willing to lie and to cheat and everything else. Martin Luther King says, "Well, well, I don't want to. I don't want to do it that way. But we should get to a point where everybody has the same. Mm. You know, saying like that should not be a, a multi. It shouldn't be a different class of people. We should all have the same class. So, he, so he believed in the communist ideology. So you get into that with Martin Luther King, and then you get into what he believed as, a, as far as what Christians should believe concerning the incarnation, who Jesus is. Like uh, Martin Luther King didn't even he didn't hold to the triune nature of God." He rejected it. it wasn't that and people try to make excuses saying, oh, he, he didn't have the, the good schools to go to and everything else. He, <laughs> had, he had a Bible. <laughs>
2: like,
0: he had a Bible. Like he didn't need, You don't need seminary school to understand that Jesus is God in the flesh. It's in the scriptures. It's in the scriptures. Now, you may, you may have trouble with the technicality of all these things concerning his, his deity and the natures and hypostatic union and, and all these things. But to know the simple fact that he is God in the flesh and that, that he was virgin born, that's clear in his text. You know, He was a minister, wasn't
3: he?
0: Yeah. But so, that's something. The thing. so that's the thing. Like he was always claimed to be, he was always given to be the title of being Reverend Martin Luther King, but he was never a pastor of a church. Mm. And he was, so he was mostly like a, um, a teacher, but not really, not really pastor in a church and anything like that. Mm. So, you know? So he went to seminary school. He had teaching under his belt, but not really, a um, a pastor of a church, you know, so to speak. He and attended not, the church.
1: And he was, um, he didn't believe in the resurrection. Correct.
0: No, he didn't believe in the resurrection. He didn't believe in the doctrine of hell.
1: And the virgin birth? And the virgin birth. So he did not believe basic Christian doctrine? No. So can someone not believe basic Christian doctrine and be a Christian?
0: Depends on who you ask. I'm asking you.
1: (laughs) I'm asking. Mr.
0: If, you, if you ask me, no, I, I, someone comes into
1: your church and goes, I want to be a member of your church. I don't believe in the Trinity. I don't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe in the resurrection. And I don't believe in the sinless life of Christ. Where do I sign? What do you say?
0: Um, you we can we can sign you to the gospel. <laughs> the gospel. Let's let's get let's believe the gospel first. So you know, we even,
1: can agree that Martin Luther King Jr. was not a Christian.
3: Oh, he was definitely not a Christian. And, and 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 just remembering, you know, his speeches, the famous "I Have a Dream" speech. Where's Christ in that? Where's God? You you, you did Negro spirituals. You talk. You have the world listening to you, mm-hmm. the opportunity to say Jesus is Lord, and you don't. And this is the thing, because Martin Luther King,
0: he wasn't just following what he would call Christ; he was following Mahatma Gandhi as well. Mm-hmm. His teaching, everything from the "I Have a Dream" speech to the March on Washington, everything that he did, was basically an inspiration from Mahatma Gandhi,
3: mm-hmm. not
0: not what Christ did. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was following Mahatma Gandhi's practices and what he believed and what he taught. And so that's and that's the thing. So everything behind the Civil Rights Movement is what Martin Luther King did. He's not saying it didn't have some good in it, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the the heart behind it was from communist was from a communist perspective, and also following the teachings of Muhammad gandhi it, it, Christ was nowhere in it. Now, because God is sovereign, God in His providence he used that. You say He used it, but the intentions of Martin Luther King's heart wasn't to make Christians. It, so, it wasn't to make disciples.
3: So, 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 just to be clear, you're saying it's not black good, white slave owner John and George, John Jonathan Edwards, George would feel bad. It's not that simple, is what you're saying. And, no, it's and, not. It's not that simple.
1: And before we even get to those two guys, he was also a serial adulterer. I mean, he hopped from bed to bed with all kinds of women, um, and no one's pulling statues down of Martin Luther King Jr. Are they? No, nope. well,
3: they're putting them up. No,
1: it's not because it's not part of the narrative. And right, here, it's 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 okay, it's okay that he hopped around with a whole bunch of women, and then people would say, "No, that's scandalous. That's the police and the government trying to set him up, trying to tarnish and character assassinate, and all the other stuff they say." But bottom he, line, he 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 looked to sources, right? Uh, Mahat uh, Gandhi and uh, critical race theory. He looked to cultural Marxism. He looked to every place, but he never looked to Christ, which is why it's okay for him to hop from sheet to sheet with different women, because Jesus said, "If you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you committed adultery." He was actually committing adultery,
0: right? And it was it was somebody who was um saying it's on the lines uh, on the lines of his Marxism. Um. Some like some people were saying how you know he they say he was Marxist, but he didn't teach anything Marxist. He wasn't really Marxist. But that was the instance not only in his sermon that he pushed Marxism, just not in the practice of what they do, but just the outcome. He wanted the outcome. But in, there was a woman who stabbed him. It who came in and stabbed him. That because and she stabbed him because he was in um he was in cahoots with people who were communists. And so like the fact that the claim saying that he wasn't really a communist and all this stuff like that, like no, he was. Like he was, and it was recognized by the people. And this was a black woman who stabbed him. It wasn't a white woman who stabbed Martin Luther King. It was a black woman who recognized that he was trying to push communism, and she stabbed him. And she was, and, she, and he put it off as her being um, criminally insane. So they put her in a psych ward. You know what I'm saying? But that was her reason. They asked her, why did you try to stab him? Because he was conspiring for communism. And so, she didn't, so, and, and she went crazy on
3: him. <laughs> so uh, so MLK fifty We pastors and people saying that they're they're for christ that that doesn't seem to go together if if he's you know all these things that we're we're talking about no, um, no, no. and obviously we're not well, trying to disparage him as a person we're saying, hey, from the the mandate of what the Bible calls to be a christian, he didn't fit that when i did
0: when I did this on my podcast, I had to keep even it, it was it was rattling to do that on my podcast as far as dealing with Martin Luther King and laying out all these facts because it is such a touchy subject because sure, of people he's a, he was the leader of the civil rights movement. I mean, the March on Washington everything else dealing with the police attackers attacks and everything else being, being assassinated. Like what was the whole to be this issue? Like people, white people were there not acknowledging that he was assassinated. They say he was killed. Like, no, he was assassinated. Like it's, it's so emotionally driven, you know what I'm saying? And this is why they're able to get away with something like this instead of when people who, have knowledge and understand the truth and not and not afraid to stand on the truth regardless of what people may think are going to come and say, eh, not so.
2: Yeah. And just for the record, we're not denying that this God used him mm. to do what he did. I mean, he did great things. And so we honor him for what he did. Theologically, that's a whole different ballgame.
0: You have to be able to separate the two.
3: Yeah. You know, and, and I would argue this whole thing is emotional. It's, yes. Racism is bad. America is bad. Churches are bad. It's all bad, and the only way to fix it is critical race theory. The only way to fix it is to, to have to feel for everyone. And I'm sorry, but the only thing that I'm concerned about for my son is salvation.
1: Heaven, so, Jamal, do you think it's a fair comparison to compare Martin Luther King to Edwards and Whitfield theologically if uh, saying Martin Luther King is born again and Edwards and Whitfield, well, they're not?
0: Well, I'm going I'm to I'm go further. I'm going to say it's wrong to compare them theologically and practically. Because yeah. it, it, the issue, what I've heard people say is that Martin Luther King didn't have it theologically, but he had it in practice, mm. and that and that Whitfield and Edwards they had it in theology, but they didn't have it in practice. Hmm. And to me, that is such that is like so that's the, like defaming the character because like you know, the only thing you have against them is the fact that they own slaves. That's it. You know, you like whether they love their wife, whether they love their neighbors, and everything else. That's evident, especially with Whitfield, it's definitely evident. And I know Edward's too, as far as the uh, people's testimony of his life. But you have all of this this love within them. But because they own slaves, that's automatically that they, they didn't have it in practice. Like they didn't practice the gospel in their lives because they own slaves. But Martin Luther King, he had it in practice, though he didn't love his wife. Like, you know, what I'm <laughs> saying? Like he, like he didn't wow. love his wife and he didn't love his neighbor. You know what I'm saying? Like, far as, you know, his, okay, let me, let me clarify my statement with loving his neighbor. I know somebody going to listen and say, what do you mean love his neighbor? Like, he, you know, he was for nonviolence. Right. That wasn't the point. Martin Luther King, it, it wasn't enough for him not to be just violent. He wanted, the nonviolence because he was following Mahatma Gandhi's practice. But the thing is, he wanted to be able to take from others in order to, <laughs> in order to give to, uh, give to blacks. The thing just that's what communism is. It, for us to be a communist country, we have to take from people, steal from stealing, people in stealing. order to give to someone else. And so he's not loving his neighbor. You know, he said in his one-day sermons, he said, I will not rest until there's a, a black person is making $500,000 versus $500 a year. And so in order to get that way, somebody's going to be out. Somebody's going to be taken out the way that comedy works. And so that's not loving your neighbor. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And every example that we have in the world of a communist um, institutions, they don't work. Yeah, but that's what he wanted. But right. Edwards, Edwards and Whitfield, they loved their neighbor. And only because they had slaves, because they didn't see it as something that was sinful. And especially how you treat it It was how you treated people right. that made it a right. sin. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, like when Whitfield, I got one more thing, guys. One thing that blew me away about Whitfield that I did not know when I did podcast about him is that one of his slaves, one, a, of a woman, she wrote a poem about Whitfield when he died. And the way she described Whitfield it's not the way you describe somebody who didn't love his neighbor. Mm. I mean, they talked. she talked about how people just, the, the slaves would gather just to hear him preach. And his voice was like angelic. Was it like, and, like angel speaking? And, and like, and it's about how kind he was and how loving he was like, this isn't the, this, it's from a slave woman. She was, wow. she was a, she was a slave from a child. And yet this is how she, that's how, this is how she viewed Whitfield. And it's like, and this, and she was the only one. Given the records, It's like people in, people love being under him because he treated them right. You know, people say that he didn't love in practice. He didn't love his neighbor. This man started an orphanage in Georgia for who? <laughs> for who, who did he start that orphanage for? For black, black for black orphan children. Wow. Not white, not white orphan children. For black orphan children of slaves. That's what he started the orphanage for, and it was and it was kept by black slaves. Wow! And he traveled here seven times throughout his whole life, and but so when people say that George Whitfield pushed for slavery in Georgia, he pushed for slavery in Georgia because he didn't want his orphanage to die. He didn't want he didn't he knew that hey I need I need these people here to work the land I can't I can't be there to do it like we I need them I needed to stay and so that's what he pushed for and so like well so like that's that's so weak. like why well, we push for slavery to continue because just like Whitfield understood just like other people understood during that time, not everybody was sitting there beating their slaves and not everybody was sitting there trying to kill them in tie time. Not everybody was doing that. You know what i saying? You had those that did and Whitfield was against that. So was, and so was Edwards. He was against that too. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it, it's, it's crazy. Like when you, when you see this, it's like, how do you say this person did not love his neighbor? You know what I'm saying? Like there must be something else to this. It's more complicated
3: than saying, Oh, because he owned slaves, he automatically hated his neighbor. So, so, so before we we jump on Jamal, so, so, so you're kind, so you're saying when we look back historically and say the church was complicit, that, that it's complex. It wasn't just this slavery is bad. Anyone who describes slavery is bad. It was mm-hmm. it was the, there was Bibli- there was real biblical principles and people were trying to adhere to it because they said, look, this is how society is, just like in the time of Paul and Peter, and they had slaves then, and. They even described how we should operate as Christians in that environment. Now we don't have slavery. It's very easy to say slavery is bad.
0: But look at this. Check this out, though. This is, this is, this is wonderful. So right now we're looking back. We've got people who look back at that time and say the Christians who own slaves mm-hmm. were automatically, they, they could not have been Christian, right? Mm-hmm. But the Bible is not clear in saying <laughs> that sin, uh, that was a sin, the Bible doesn't say that owning a slave is sin. He gave parameters of how, how we treat slaves and how we deal with them. Yeah. But the owner slave was never counted as sin in the Bible. Philemon,
3: by by definition, could not have been a believer then. And that whole book needs to be taken out. Right. And so then, and, then Paul, should, and, and Paul should be rebuked for not rebuking Philemon. <laughs> you know
0: what I'm saying, but see, that's not what happened. But we do see in scripture that homosexuality is sin. We do see in scripture that a woman should not be a pastor in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And preaching about pul- it. we see that clear in Scripture. Yet, people in the future are going to look back at our church today and say, "How are these pastors wow. truly Christian? Because they're pushing for same sex same sex marriages and saying it's okay to be a homosexual Christian, and they're also saying it's okay for a woman to hold office in the pulpit. Yeah, how are amazing. they Christian? That's that's, that's what's going to ha- that's that's what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying like and, and I, we're saying that now as we speak." But like, but these are things that are actually are clear in Scripture that we there should be no debate about.
2: And they the, the Christians voted for pro-abortion candidates. How could they be Christians?
0: <laughs> right. How wow. could they?
2: And, yeah. and you're right. They're, they're going to say that they're always going to look back and judge. And mm-hmm. can a Christian vote for a pro-abortion? Absolutely. But is it right to do that? Absolutely right. not. Correct. It's, it's sinful.
1: So, it's, you I, know. I wanted to ask you about this one more area. So the term woke is thrown around left and right. Um, It started with black liberation theology, from what I understand. And Eric Mason has become something of a celebrity with his book by taking phraseology from black liberation theology and marrying it to the church, if you will. And he Mm -hmm. cites Ephesians chapter five, verse 13 and 14 to support his premise which reads, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake. So is uh, is there a doctrine of wokeness in the scriptures that no one has ever unpacked until Eric Mason looked in and he got the Shemitah or something like that. And it, and it came to light.
0: Uh, you know what? When, he, when you read that scripture and giving the context of what that text is talking about, it's like, it's like saying that, okay, a Christian who's born again,
3: mm. who
0: according to scripture is awake. <laughs> is really, is really just walking. It's like sleepwalking. Wow. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're not, so like, if you're born again, you're not really awoke. Like, you're sleepwalking. Like you're, mm. you're, you're appearing to be woke, but you're really not mm. until you recognize the double consciousness of black Christians. Wow. Because that's what Eric Mason says. He's like, you're not truly woke until you recognize until you acknowledge the double consciousness of black Christians.
3: And struggle w- 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 what does he mean by woke then? Because it's not the biblical definition, right?
0: No, no. It, well, how he defines it in his book is that they are awakened from dead and sinful thinking. Mm. That's how he defines it in his book.
2: So there are Christians who are not woke, who are still in the darkness.
0: They're still in darkness. They're still not awakened from dead and darkness. This is really like, thinking.
2: I mean, I'm studying Irenaeus right now, second century, and he was dealing with Gnosticism. And Gnostics believed that they had this special knowledge to be enlightened that you had to come to in order to really be saved. Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. And so this Mm -hmm. sounds
2: like Gnosticism repackaged. Sure.
3: Gnosticism.
1: Yeah. This is just as Vodi Bakum would say ethnic Gnosticism. Yeah.
3: Now 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 before we jump off again like you know so they talk about this and and this drives me crazy this uh image of god. And so they miss you they're saying well we well we, when we argue that you know we're all one the per, you know the partition has been done there's no black there's no white there's no Judas they say, no 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 but we are in the image of god and god made us different skin colors so that means I mean, what do what do you say to that? This this image of God argument. This is how they kind of keep it, and they're able to like make this dichotomy. So, so what do they
0: say? Do they say that, but, So we say that the image of God, and therefore, what we should honor. What so, so,
3: should. so, 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 so we have to recognize that there's black and there's white, and then that has to be a part of how we see things. Oh, yeah, because God didn't make a mistake by making us black. Right. So if
2: if I don't recognize, if I say uh, Glenn, I don't see you as black. Yeah. Then I'm denying uh, the, the image of God. Uh, yeah. Wow. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, I think people I think people are reading into the statement of saying, I don't see a person as black or white. Because yeah. what because what people are saying when they say that, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, but when people say that is they're saying is I don't see race. Like I'm not seeing yeah. you as like, yeah. hey, I'm making it, I'm making a point in my mind that you're white and I'm black. There's an obvious difference between the both of us. And therefore, I need to make sure I focus and hone in on that and recognize yeah. how that affects my life. Like, no, we don't we're not seeing that. You know what I'm saying like yeah. I see I see is either you're born again Christian or you're
1: not. It's I think like, we would say that that Eric Mason is is way off on this.
0: Oh yeah, totally.
1: He's totally, totally off.
0: Totally and, off.
1: But many people are jumping on the bandwagon with him. Um and say, Lick, Lick and Duncan endorsed his book.
0: Yes, yeah. he did. It was And, and, it, it, and it's not even gone.
1: a scriptural it's not it, this is not systematic theology. Um, I don't know what you would call this. <laughs> this is just bad theology. S- systematic vocology. <laughs> systematic theology. You're, you're not, not woke, but, that's why. Uh, you yeah. said, Vodi
0: said it." It's ethnic
2: gnosticism.
1: Ethnic gnosticism. But would you say that that he used like proof texting with this? Well,
0: absolutely. <laughs> uh, no. I, 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 as far as giving like scripture to back what he's saying. Yeah, like he, I, he, de- I, 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 he, he decided. He, I Jesus.
1: he decided what he um, what he wanted to. And pause it, and mm. then he went fishing for a scripture verse to fix it. Yeah, fix
0: it, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> okay, yeah, I would say that. Even, even in his references in the book, um, it was something that I thought was very was um, actually very interesting. Um, so I said I was a part of entrusted men's in my group, I in mean, my church, and um, and we we actually we're going through his book as a group. Mm. Like I said, there's a couple a couple of brothers who kind of hold to that side, you know. Mm. And so we're going through his book, and we're actually just doing a fair synopsis of it, mm. and everybody knows where I stand on it already. But as we're going through the book, the people that he quotes to back his claim, like concerning being woke, um, he he gets that idea from uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, double consciousness of black people. You know what I'm saying? And then says that he basically, so basically he took the double consciousness and added on Christ consciousness. That's the third. And so according to Eric Mason, in order to be fully woke, you got to have all three levels of consciousness. you got to have the double consciousness that W.E.B. Du Bois says, and then you have the Christ consciousness. But the Christ consciousness only serves as the anchor that basically holds everything down. Like it's not the end all, it's, it's the anchor, you know what I'm saying, that basically gives it character, that gives all this character. And I was like, whoa. So it's like a Christian, therefore, if you're a believer right now, all of us here, we're only one third woke. Oh. Like, I mean, this is, this is what it would be. No, I'm just saying, like, this would have to be, this is the logical conclusion of it all. And I'm not trying to be snarky and funny, but it is no, no. it's ridiculous. But that's the thing, Is like, in order, so we're one third, we're one third woke according to, according to Eric Mason, how he defines woke, we're one third. We don't have all three, therefore we're not truly woke. You know what I'm saying? So therefore we don't have the double consciousness. But then the question, like you, you mentioned, as far as what a, what a Christian would be, but then who is, who is fully woke? Like, mm. was, was the apostles fully woke? Where, where you know, saying like, where's anybody in history ever fully woke? Was Christ fully woke? You know, what I'm saying like, because this wasn't the this you know when Christ came to the earth, like he was his biggest thing was not hey, let's make sure all the oppressed, all those who are oppressed, make sure they have the same amount as. But anybody. they
3: argue that he does. That's what Christianity is, is. Is God is on the side of the oppressed, and 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 you go to any country and they find out which one's the oppressed one, and that's who God is for. I, I think it begs the question about that. What do you think of that? This idea that God is on the side of the oppressed.
0: In what way? What I'm saying in the scripture is that God was always on the side of those who serve righteously, who mm-hmm. live righteously. Mm-hmm. Because what happened with Israel? They weren't they were, they were oppressed every time they were was sinful and rebellious. Israel, when they was when they was in Egypt, God looked out for the Israelites because of a promise. He made a yeah, promise. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like this wasn't because Israel, he looked at like, oh, they're so poor and they're treated they're treated wrongly. But yeah. like God and his providence already knew that Egypt was going to behave the way they did. Pharaoh there's gonna be a Pharaoh who's gonna raise up, who's gonna rise up and acknowledge that there are too many Hebrews here. We got we mm. got to stop this. And, 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 and didn't God wait a long, long,
3: long time before he heard their cries? There was a plenty of generations past, yeah. but for a reason.
1: And before, didn't, didn't God send a man named Joseph into slavery?
0: That's how it began.
1: But that but wait, God would never do that.
0: Oh, I mean, he because he's on the side of the oppressed. Why would he? Wow. He's why on why the send side oppression? of the
1: oppressed. Why would he send someone into to be
0: oppressed? Yeah, Israel would not have been in Egypt had not Joseph been sold into slavery into right. going to Egypt. Yeah, therefore he wouldn't have been in a position to therefore take care of his family.
2: That's and it. here's the thing: Christians look back in history, black Christians who are woke who are complaining, looking mm. back on the slave trade. But there's a verse they seem to forget about. All things work together for good, for good to those who are those called, calls. right? So can you look at that and see God's hand in it, right? God working through uh, means of like Joseph's brothers throwing him into the pit and selling him into slavery. Well, we know it was really God doing that, and the secondary means were was Joseph's brothers. Amen. And so if you look through the eyes of a gospel lens and through the sovereignty of God, who permitted the transatlantic? Slave trade.
1: Yeah. Mm. And uh, Steve, I'm glad you said that because yeah. I read a book called Lemuel Haynes, the Black Puritan. Just as God didn't endorse polygamy, but used it for his honor mm. and glory.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: God doesn't necessarily endorse uh the transatlantic slave trade, but people came to know Christ through that. Yeah. Sovereignly used that to bring about salvation for certain people, even certain black people. And some of these black people served as pastors and doctors and and the like.
2: Some Mm -hmm. of them
1: ran churches. Uh, uh, God had a plan for this and used it for his own sovereign purposes. Amen. Jamal, how would you make application of all Mm -hmm. of this to the local church? Mm -hmm. So uh, church going Christians, members of a local church. I mean, what do we do um, with social justice, critical race theory? Martin Luther King, Jonathan Edwards, how do we bring some kind of application to the church-going person through much of what we discussed tonight? Uh,
0: truth matters. Mm. Um, truth matters. And, and I, when I was going through, when I was on the fence with all of this, it was a point where I felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling kind of disengaged from my white brothers and sisters. Mm. um, given what these issues we're having, and then uh, you know, given like you know, I can't. My culture's not being embraced, and all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, as far as you know, the music and everything else, and I began to think about. It, it's like a lot of the issues that I'm having is internal. Mm. Like it, it had nothing to do with my white brothers and sisters. I haven't I, I haven't had a white brother come to me and say, Jamal, I don't like your culture. I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the idea of Christian rap music. You know I mean? there's mean? Some people who don't like Christian rap music, they just mm-hmm. don't, don't like their taste, but like I haven't had on because, because it's from your culture, I don't like it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: you know what? If you wear a hat, if, you, if I see you with your dreadlocks, like that's, that's despicable. Like don't, don't have dress. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I haven't seen that everything, everything in my mind of what happened in my local church as far as application goes, well, everything we're dealing with concerning police brutality and everything else was in my mind. It was it was something I was projecting on brothers who I hadn't even given a chance Mm. to say whether or not they truly were racist or not. And my and my pastor said this. My elder said this, and he got he got some slack for this from one of our members at one point. He said that he said he he said that now (laughs) he said I thank God for slavery. He said because if it wasn't for slavery, I would not know my black brothers and sisters today. Wow, and that's what he said. He was acknowledging the the providence of God. He was acknowledging that God and His sovereignty allowed these things to happen, and we're all here. Mm-hmm. and i understood what he meant by it but there was one guy who took offense and it, was, it wasn't a black guy it was a white guy who took offense <laughs> he was like he was like how's that's racism like that's not racist like i can see if you say i think i'm a slave because you guys need to be enslaved like because mm. it's just you but he was he was acknowledging the sovereignty of god and it's like if you got if you're going to get mad at stuff like that it's like we have to say god is at fault and i don't mm. think people want to go there like, they mm. don't want to go that far because if you're going to say okay you know what this is the ultimate evil. This is the ultimate wickedness. Like everything else, like then God is at fault and we serve Mm. and we're serving a very hateful, hateful, Mm. unloving God. Mm. And it's not the case because all things do work together for my good. And who's to say, just like Whitfield believed, who's to say that if I was still in Africa, that I would be a Christian unless, you know, but God is sovereign. If I'm in his elect, then one day I will be. And it goes into our theology, but it's like, it, it, being in what we have here, the freedom that we have in America versus what we have in Africa, what people have going on in Asia and other places alike, I'm actually thankful to be in America. Amen. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, and I know some people like, oh, you just cooning. I'm not, you know, but it's it's the reality. <laughs> like any everybody, every every black person right now who's on the social justice side who's saying America's this, America's that, they're not going to pack their bags up and, sh- and go off no. somewhere else. No, they're not. They're not going somewhere else. They're trying to. They're trying to work stuff out here, but they're not trying to go nowhere because they know regardless of what you can say about America, that this is the best place to be at in the world.
1: Yeah. If we're so bad, then why does everybody want to come here?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Yes.
0: So, I mean, it's practically, I just, I just practically lived that application wise. Mm-hmm. If we, if we hold to truth matters, if, if we talk about Christians here, we're talking about truth matters. And Jesus said, he's the way, the truth and the life. So we should be valuing truth over our emotions.
1: Just to wrap up everything before we uh, close everything out. Um, As far as back to application, making application to the local church, Jamal, do we need to reconcile uh, racial reconciliation? Do we need that? Or would you say we just need to walk in the reconciliation that we already have in Christ?
0: Mm. Yeah, We need to walk in the reconciliation reconciliation we already have in Christ. It's like the, the way has already been made. Think about it, if, if we if we are walking in love as what we're supposed to as Christians, right? What does the Bible say? Love takes in no account of wrong suffered. So even if you can say this person may have committed some kind of wrong against you, which if you're walking in love, then hey, you know this we're gonna we're gonna deal with that issue, right? But we're, what we have now is people are uh, are putting wrongs on people who didn't do anything wrong at all. Mm-hmm. It's basically what people have done in the past. And so we're, we're making up wrongs. And so we should just walk in reconciliation is already given to us. You know, and therefore we can grow closer to one another and we can appreciate where we come from. Because the reality is God did create different ethnicities. He did. You know, there's different ethnicities out here, different cultural backgrounds, whether some culture and most culture, every culture has a sinful cultural background. Mm. Every one of them does, you know what I'm saying? So the things that we can take that are good, we can embrace them and enjoy them together. Like James White wants to wear a kilt sometimes, he wear a kilt, you know what I'm saying? Like we, can, mm. we should be able to embrace that and, and be able to love one another in that. And the fact that, wow, God made a promise to Abraham and said, through you, all nations will be blessed. And, and if we're here, we're gathered together as brothers and sisters in Christ from different ethnic backgrounds, God has kept his promise. Mm. He has kept his promise. And we can rejoice in that, you know, so it's like, where is that a fight over? We're rejoicing in all, this, in all the right things. Yeah. Right.
1: God said, Abraham, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. We're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples of all the ethnicities of, uh, of the world and make them, in a sense, to, to observe the teachings of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's our mission. It's not to eradicate systems. It's not to end systematic this or systematic that. It's to bring people to the knowledge of the gospel and to glorify Christ, that people might think like Christ and not try to marry the Bible and Christian thinking with cultural thinking. Well, Jamal, I want to thank you uh, with my two brothers here on taking this time to join us and stop and think about it. And again, uh, check out his podcast, Prescribe Truth. It's on various platforms. And if you want to support our podcast, you can do so by going to www.soulfishingministries.org. And now we're actually on Patreon as well. If you want to support us with a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, you can now do that as well by going to our link on our podcast webpage and making any donation uh, that you would choose to do so. And believe me, it really helps us. We have uh, different needs that come up and uh, different financial issues. And so this helps, uh, helps us produce the podcast. Well, thank you everyone for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stop and think at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.